This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, reader. I'm Cindy Burnett. Welcome to my award-winning podcast, Thoughts from a Page, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. On the show, I chat with authors whose books I have enjoyed about their new releases, and I give you a peek behind the curtain of the publishing industry with my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. If you're looking for a community of readers, bonus content, and a chance to read books before they hit the shelves, I hope you'll consider joining my Patreon group, which is filled with a wonderful bunch of book lovers. The link to join is in the show notes. Do you love to be in the know about upcoming books? Kelly Hooker of At Kelly Hook Reads Books and I do too. We couldn't find a comprehensive list of titles all in one place, so we made one ourselves, and now we're sharing it with you. Our literary lookbook is a list of 182 books releasing from January to May 2024, curated for our communities. The link to buy it is in my show notes. Today, Jen Golbeck and Stacey Colino join me to chat about The Purest Bond. Dogs really have the ability to impact our emotional, social, cognitive health in so many different ways, and this book brings that to life. Jen is the internet's dog mom and creator of the social media sensation, The Golden Ratio. A professor at the University of Maryland's College of Information Studies, she is a popular science communicator on issues related to her research on social media and dogs. She and her husband rescue golden retrievers who are senior or who have special medical needs and give them a safe and comfortable life. Stacy is an award-winning writer specializing in health and psychological issues. She is the co-author of numerous books, including Countdown, Emotional Inflammation, and Disease Proof. Stacy is a lifelong dog lover and has owned three rescue dogs. I hope you enjoy our conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, before we get started with the interview, I want to let you know about something new that I am trying this year. This week and next week, I am asking for anyone who is interested to record a blurb about your top read of 2023, or one of your top reads if you have more than one. Want to participate? Make a voice memo recording on your phone. Find a quiet place in your home, like a closet, with no kids or animals around, so that your recording is solid and clear and doesn't have a lot of echo. Please give me your name, where you are from, and the book. Don't forget the title and the author that is your top or one of your top reads of 2023. Quickly give a summary of the book and then tell me why you chose it as one of your top reads of the year. Please make sure the recording is under three minutes long. I find it helpful myself to make notes and practice a little bit ahead of recording. When you are finished, email the recording to me at cindyhburnett at att.net. And that's C-I-N-D-Y, the letter H, Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T-T at att.net with favorite read of 2023 as the subject line. 
The episode will run in early December, so stay tuned. Welcome, Jen and Stacy. How are you two doing today? Great. Well, thank you. Good. I'm so glad you're here. I have two golden retrievers that I adore with all of my heart. So the second I saw your book, I knew I had to read it and I loved it and I cannot wait to talk about it. Awesome. Well, why don't we start out with Jen, you give me a synopsis of The Purest Bond and then Stacy, you can hop in and add your two cents as well. The Purest Bond, our subtitle is Understanding the Human-Canine Connection. And what we really wanted to do was first bring the world a joyful book, which it seems like there's not a lot of those these days because there's plenty of things to be upset about. But really look at a topic that takes one of the most important relationships in our lives and dives into the science of just how beneficial that relationship is and the stories of how people have really felt that impact. So this is a science book. It will give you a lot of really interesting science, but it's also a book of personal stories. And I think people will come away with a really heartwarming feeling. You'll probably cry a couple of times uh, and you'll have a bunch of good science stories to tell people the next time you get together for cocktails. That was a really good synopsis. <laughs> so what I would add is that, you know, I think this is part love letter to dogs both from our own experiences with the dogs that we grew up with and the dogs we've had as an as adults, and also through the stories that we share from other people, particularly followers of the Golden Ratio. But as Jen said, it's a deep dive into the scientific underpinnings of this amazing bond and looking at some of the subtle and nuanced benefits that we really get socially, emotionally, physically, psychologically, and pretty much in every other way. Well, I want to talk about a bunch of those benefits, but before we do that, I'd love to hear a little bit about both of your backgrounds. Stacy, do you want to start this time? Sure. So I'm a health and science writer, and I've been doing this for several decades now. I'm a regular contributor to a few of the national magazines that still exist, such as U.S. News and World Report, National Geographic, um, I write for the Washington Post, and some of the women's magazines. And in addition, I have written about a dozen books over the years, but none of them, in all honesty, has been such a labor of love as this one has. And I'm a computer scientist by training. I'm also just finishing a master's degree in psychology. I do a lot of interdisciplinary research. I'm a professor at the University of Maryland for my main job, and I study social media, artificial intelligence, and honestly, like bad things people do on the internet <laughs> is how I spend a lot of my time. And I tell people sometimes that the number of dogs I have reveals how much antidote I need to the stress in the rest of my work life. We have five golden retrievers. So I do a lot of science communication as my regular job, and this was a chance to bring together that work on talking about science to the general public with my love of dogs and to the community of people who follow our five golden retrievers on social media. Which is the golden ratio account, correct? That's right. They're on any social media platform you can find. We have an account there. I had so much fun paging through that and looking at all your sweet dogs. They're so cute. They are such a joy. They bring me so much happiness, even though obviously life is complicated with that many dogs. Well, and you know how social media works. As soon as you like one dog account, then you see 15 dog accounts. So my family laughs at me because about a year ago, or probably more like two years ago, I started liking all of these golden retriever accounts and sharing the videos with our family group chat. And now that's like all that floods my account other than book stuff. I mean, you could do a lot worse online, right? 
Absolutely. Yes, it is much more fun than most things you see online. I completely agree with that. And it makes me smile every time. So how did you all decide to write the book together? So maybe, Stacey, I'll start with the kind of early process, and then you can kind of pick up where we got going together on it. So early in the pandemic, you know, kind of summer of 2020, I was talking with my literary agent about a book because we have this big following for the dogs on social media, and I've done a lot of popular science writing. And so we were thinking, well, all these people are rescuing dogs now because of COVID. Wouldn't it be great to like tell them about the science of why that's a good relationship? And uh, I said, okay, like this sounds like a great idea. I put together an outline. I wrote a couple sample chapters and the uh, agent was like, have you ever thought about working with a professional writer to help you with this? So my ego was a little hurt for a minute. And then (laughs) I was like, you know, my life would be so much easier if I had someone who was like, really familiar with writing books. I've never written a book for, you know, non-academics before and who's got skills at this particular kind of writing to work with me on this. And so the agent set up some interviews with writers. Stacy happens to live like two miles from my house in Maryland, which we had no idea of until we were way into the process, but we really clicked right away and I'll let her tell that story. And as she said, it's been a real labor of love for a couple of years as we've pulled together the idea for this book and then done all the writing. Good synopsis again. So it was a little bit in the beginning days, uh, like an arranged marriage, which is often how these collaborations feel when agents match up an expert or a scientist and a professional writer. But Jen and I did click in the first Zoom interview we had, and we actually clicked, interestingly enough, over the death of dogs. We had each lost, I had lost my beloved dog, Inky, just a month earlier. And um, we were talking about how she might alter the trajectory of the book. And I suggested some late chapters on aging dogs and losing a dog. And Jen could completely relate to what I was going through because she had just lost two dogs in the previous six months who were near and dear to our heart. And so we almost got a little teary on this first call. I think I definitely did. (laughs) Yeah. And then right on cue, my new rescue pushed open my office door and walked right in. And Jen said, who's this? (laughs) And it was Sadie. And we just thought, all right, let's do this. This feels really good between us. This is so interesting because I just assumed you knew each other instead of being matched up. That's fascinating. But clearly, it seems like it's worked quite well. I would say, in addition to being really proud of this book that we produce, like Stacey and I have just become really good friends, which like doesn't necessarily happen when you work on a project like this. (laughs) So yeah, she like comes to my house and lets my dogs out. My dog followed her into the bathroom one time. <laughs> and Like independent of the writing, it's been great to like get another friend who cares about the same things. And we were just so lucky that we were kind of brought together through this. Jen references this earlier, but one of the things that I really liked about the book is there is a lot of science, but there's also a lot of personal stories. And I think that's what made the book resonate so much because I love the science and understanding why dogs are so useful to humans in so many different ways. But then the personal stories kind of hammer that home. So did you always decide that you were going to do that, pair the two together? When uh, I had started, I think before Stacy was even involved, I was like, I am kind of an introvert and I'm definitely not going to go out and interview people. And oh my gosh, to get a lot of stories, it would be a lot of people to interview. 
And so I had put out this test message on Twitter and Instagram to our followers and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about writing this book about people's connection with their dogs. Uh, if you've got any great stories of like how your dog has helped you in your life sometime, let me know. And I made a little Google form just so it'd be all organized. And I mean, I think we got like 700 responses. And I was like, this is it, right? This is the place where we're going to be able to get a lot of personal insight from people who trust me because they follow the dogs online and they you kind of get these very intimate looks into our lives. And it it's such an honor with the really deeply personal stories that people trusted us with just through requests online to go into this book. And I, I'm glad you felt that way because we certainly felt like it really enriched what we were doing in a way that, you know, wouldn't have been as touching if it were just this the science. And uh, almost all the stories in the book came from strangers online who follow our dogs and wanted to share, you know, miraculous things that they've done for their life. I love that. But I think that is the way it is with pet owners. I mean, I love my dogs. I love to talk about them. They mean so much to me. And I think that's how other pet owners are as well, clearly. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I agree completely. I think that it's one of those things when I drive up every day and I look at my back door and there are my two dogs waiting patiently on me. There's just nothing better than that. You know, they're always happy to see me, unlike my kids sometimes. And so, you know, there's this, there's, they love you no matter what. It's like the best part of it. And I, you know, often tell this story that when I get stressed out and I think we've got this in the book, like I can just lay down on the floor and like whether I want it or not, all five dogs come over and are like in the face, like licking, laying on top of you. And it's just like an instant relief. You can't help but be happy. It distracts you from whatever's going wrong. And uh, it's, you know, amazing to like have that connection. And I think whether you've got a whole bunch of dogs like I do, or, you know, one dog who's really the center of your attention, everybody wants to tell those stories about the miraculous things they've done in their life. And, and we're lucky to have gotten a lot of those stories from people and been able to share them in the book. I love that. And now for a quick break to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, Air Doctor. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take approximately 20,000 breaths a day. According to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, even up to 100 times more polluted. I struggle with allergies myself that poor air quality exacerbates, and so using my air purifier from Air Doctor really helps me manage my allergies. So what's the solution to poor air quality? Air Doctor has introduced an air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. All Air Doctor purifiers also feature WhisperJet fans, 30% quieter than ordinary air purifiers. Want to breathe better? Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Thoughts from a Page. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code thoughts from a page. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And now back to the rest of the show. Can you walk me through the various benefits? I know they're in the book and you highlighted them a few minutes ago, but let's talk a little bit about the physical, the emotional, the cognitive, the benefits that come from owning a dog. Stacey, why don't you take this since I've been doing a lot of talking? Okay. So let's start with the physical benefits. Some of these are not surprising. Dog owners tend to get more physical activity and fresh air, which is good for them. 
But the interesting thing about that is that they get more physical activity even when they're not walking their dogs. It has this really positive carryover effect. But that's just one thing. People who have dogs and spend and are close to their dogs have better stress responses. They have lower levels of cortisol, the stress hormone coursing through their bodies. They tend to have greater heart rate variability, which sounds like a bad thing, but it's a good thing. And they have healthier microbiomes in some ways. The microbiome is the community of bacteria and other microbes that lives inside all of us, and it lives in dogs too. And there is exchange of these so-called germs between people and dogs who live together. And it's actually beneficial for humans, whether it promotes better gut health, better uh, mental health, or even reduces the risk of things like allergies and asthma. It's interesting on getting more exercise that doesn't even involve walking your dog, because obviously I do get out a lot more because I'm walking my dog so that they will be less energetic, but also because it's better for them and it's better for me. But that's interesting that around the house, I'm getting more exercise as well. Or you're more inclined to walk on an errand instead of driving or walk to a neighbor's house, or it just translates to more movement, which is great. And throwing the ball for them outside, those kinds of things. Definitely. What about emotional? Yes. So it's it's really profound, the emotional impacts they can have on us. And, and that kind of goes from, you know, being stressed out and petting your dog and feeling a little bit better or them coming and giving you a hug if you're crying up to people who are dealing with really serious mental illness. So we know that if you pet a dog, whether it's yours or a stranger, a stranger dog, that it just takes a few minutes of interacting with that dog. And we can biologically see the markers of stress go down. Your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure goes down, you get some feel-good hormones released, and, and it can be just a few minutes. So we have this kind of immediate reaction. And one really interesting tidbit of research that is in the book is that our dogs have that reaction too. So if you give your dog pets, or if you stare into their eyes, you will have this release of a hormone called oxytocin, but your dogs have it too. So it's not just that we're kind of sucking these benefits away from our dogs. Like our dogs actually feel the same good feelings that we feel when we interact with them. And then, so that obviously extends through our day-to-day, like self-care, kind of mental health, But even for people who are dealing with very serious mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar, dogs can make that easier. They help in therapy. They can help them kind of keep a routine in their life. They can bring down levels of fear around treatments. And one really interesting thing that I encountered, I think I mentioned getting a finishing up a master's degree in psychology. And when we were talking about psychopathology, so so some of these like more serious mental illness problems. One interesting result that they found is when people have been hospitalized, like inpatient for mental health problems, and they come back home, they talk about your family monitoring you. So are they like, did you take your medicine? Did you talk to your therapist about this? Like constantly checking in on you about the thing. And if you have a family that's doing a lot of that, your outcomes tend to be worse because you feel like you're getting kind of picked on and monitored and everything is about what's wrong with you. And Dogs don't do that, right? They can be there for us. They can be supportive, but they're not judging. We don't feel like they're checking on us, making sure that we do the thing that we're supposed to. They're just there. And that kind of non-judgmental support, I think, is one of the big reasons that we see a lot of benefits 
you know, they can't cure serious mental illness, but they can make people function better. They can make them reintegrate into kind of day-to-day life better because they provide this constant source of non-judgmental support that's really necessary and can be hard for family members to do. That can be hard for family members to do because you worry. And so you you translate that worry into asking all those questions and a pet can just be there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can understand, right? Both you want to help take care of the person who obviously has had some serious problems if they were inpatient, but also, you know, this is a thing I think throughout a theme throughout the book that like, if you're caring for a seriously mentally ill family member, which I have done, it's hard. Like they can be jerks sometimes, right? Like you know, whether or not they can control it, it is emotionally difficult to go through that. And so there is, you know, some level of resentment or worry about how your life is going to be harder. And you're trying to control your own life by trying to get that other person to act in the way that you need them to. And I, you know, I think that's true with every human relationship, whether, you know, whether it's our spouses or our friends, like Stacy and I have had plenty of conversations where we're snippy at each other because we had a bad day or we disagree about the thing. Like every relationship we have with people has some kind of background where there's been either a negative interaction or you don't trust the person to act the right way. But with our dogs, like we don't necessarily have that, right? We can absolutely trust them about things. And it makes them a really unique kind of relationship in our lives that, you know, doesn't fulfill everything we need, but can fill a lot of those roles that people may fall down on sometimes. Can I jump in and piggyback here? So one of the thing, the p- interesting pieces of research that we came across that was really illuminating to me anyway, was that when people have to give a presentation or uh, perform a difficult math test or do something else that's really stressful in a performance type of situation, when they're accompanied by a loved one or a friend and their stress hormones and blood pressure and that kind of thing are monitored, the presence of the friend or the boyfriend or the husband or romantic partner doesn't help. But when they do it with the presence of a dog, it does. So the way that dogs' presence offers support emotionally and psychologically is really, really special. That is really special. And you know, it's interesting. I was thinking while you all were talking, my dad had Alzheimer's. And they would bring dogs to his memory care facility. And the patients there loved it. It was so restful for them and relaxing and a great way for them to be calmed down as well. Because there's like no need to perform for a dog, right? Like you can you can be your kind of crappiest self as long as you're nice to them. And they don't care what you're remembering or forgetting. They don't care if you're in a bad mood. Like they just want to have a happy interaction with you. and. And I think for me, like that's one way where I can let my guard down around dogs in a way that's hard to do with pretty much any people. I mean, even my husband, who I'm very comfortable around, there's sometimes where I'm like, I'm glad that you're out of the house and like the dogs and I can just like sit here and they don't, there's nothing that I can do that's going to upset them. And, you know, if you are looking at like an Alzheimer's patient, right, where like you're confused a lot of the time, there's a lot of frustration that comes with that. There's also a lot of other mental health issues that come with it. And you can't have the normal kind of connection with people, right? Because they're always kind of trying to take care of you. A lot of it comes with a sort of patronizing voice. I mean, you know, having also seen family members go through this, like you lose that ability to connect with people, even in your most lucid moments. 
And seeing all that change can be really hard, but your relationship with dogs doesn't necessarily have to change when you're having that like real-time interaction. That's exactly right. The dogs don't care that you really can't get the words out that you're trying to communicate or some of these other frustrations that are so difficult when you're further along with the disease. Yeah, exactly. Well, what about cognitive and social well-being? I'll get us started with social. So one of the things that's really interesting about having a dog is it facilitates neighborhood cohesion and community cohesion. And if you think about it, you can probably relate to this, Cindy. If you walk your dog in your neighborhood, you know, you stop and say hello to other dog owners, maybe the dogs sniff each other or play a little bit. And even if not, often you know other people's dogs' names. You you don't know necessarily their names in your neighborhood, but you know the dogs. And so friendships can be struck this way. Or if you go to a dog park, you can meet people. Um, Jen has made lots of friends that way over the years. I met my second husband that way, walking dogs in our neighborhood. And so it's really pretty amazing how dogs bring people together. I love that you met your second husband that way. That is a wonderful story. Well, and it's a wonderful marriage. (laughs) I'm so happy. Yeah, he lived around the corner and I knew him just very slightly. And when my first marriage went bust, I kept the dog and I had a lot more dog walking to do. So we would run into each other pretty often and just got to know each other. Well, and it's so funny that you say that about seeing neighbors and maybe not knowing their names, but recognizing their faces. So we're in Houston and my husband is a huge Texas A&M fan and takes my son up to games all the time. And a couple of weeks ago, they were at a game and people that live a street over who I know from like sitting up at the pool for years together, but he doesn't really know, ended up sitting right beside them. And she's like, oh, hi, I see you walking the dog all the time. And so she's like, I know you live a block away from us. And it was just so funny. It's that same kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, dogs are natural conversation starters. And so they bring people together that way. Yeah, I love that. And our last one is cognitive. Yeah. You know, we touched on some of these issues Cindy, based on your comment about Alzheimer's, but they can really help us kind of stay focused on things because they do fill this gap. Um, And one thing that kind of, you know, all of these things are connected, that kind of connects up to the emotional, but that carries over in other places is that dogs can kind of fill in for humans. And one theme of the book that we saw in the physical health and the social health, the emotional health, and in the cognitive health is that We know that a really important factor for all those kinds of health is that you need to have social support in your life. If you have a heart attack, you are more likely to survive if you have a good social support system because like emotionally you're working better that way. Like it's really important for us not to be isolated. And what we find is that dogs can serve as those kinds of social support systems for us in really remarkable ways. So for example, there's studies that show People who are kind of older and are getting socially isolated have better outcomes if they have a dog. And that's especially true if they're not married or they don't have close family. And that's because if you, you know, if you're married and your kids are around all of the time, you've got pretty good social support. So it's like great to have the dog, but the dog's not filling in a hole. They're just adding on. But for people who do have a hole there in the social support, we see that the dogs make a really big difference because they provide that source of social support. And that's something that we see with the cognitive health as, as well, like as people are aging or if they're dealing with dementia or, you know, some forms of, of mental illness that affect your cognitive abilities, the dog just being for you, being there for you serves as this kind of support that we know from lots of literature 
makes you function better. And at the other end of the lifespan, the presence of a dog has been found in research studies to help kids learn to read better or to perform math functions better or to learn other skills. The dog has a soothing presence. It makes kids more open to trial and error or just practicing these things because they're in the comfort of this creature. Even just more empathetic. I think learning to have an animal by you and taking care of it and being kind and having the animal being kind to you. Absolutely. You both own dogs. You want to talk really quickly about your own dogs? So as an adult, I've had three different rescue dogs, Wolfie, Inky, and now Sadie. And um, Inky was the only one that we got as a puppy. He was four months old. Wolfie, we got at two. Sadie, we got at closer to six. And the first two lived really long lives. They were both like two weeks shy of their 14th birthdays when they passed away. And since I have always worked from a home office, they have been my constant companions over the years. I have a dog bed right next to my desk as we speak. And they are just delightful company. And I right now have five golden retrievers. Um, My husband and I rescue primarily goldens. We've had one labradoodle snake in there. And we tend to take in seniors, hospice cases, special medical needs. Though right now we have a puppy, which has been a surprise to everyone, um, who is a foster through our local rescue group. So she's really brought some new energy and chaos into the household. We've had maybe 30 or 40 dogs between fosters and rescues. We usually have between five and seven at a time in the house. Um, and then there will be other you know, fosters who come through that we kind of help get better and then adopt them out to other places. So yeah, it's a, a fluffy <laughs> lifestyle. It definitely, you know, adjusts what we're able to do, but it is a, a real source of joy. And, you know, I think something that's helped me find a purpose in my life. You know, I've been doing a lot of cool stuff and I love it, but I feel like helping take care of these dogs that have been often mistreated and discarded when they need the most help has has really become a mission for me and given me a lot of meaning in my life. And of course, I get a lot of benefits from it because Man, like five golden retrievers is a fun time all the time. It must be. One of my favorite videos to watch, I don't know if you guys have seen it, are those three golden retrievers that can open the door. And so they open the door and one comes in and goes back and opens the door for the next one. And then the two go back and open the door for the third one. Have you seen that one? (laughs) We have to be careful that they don't start working together or else (laughs) we're going to be outnumbered. (laughs) Because I just love that for some reason. And my husband says, well, that's great in their household, but we don't want our dogs doing that. I'm like, but it just cracks me up because they clearly bond together and they're like, don't forget so-and-so, don't forget, we've got to all be together. So five of them, I can't even imagine. (laughs) It's a, yeah, it's a real exercise in logistics every day to just like make life work. Yes. And mine are always so hungry. So I'm sure when you get close to mealtime, you're just run down. I feel like that with two of them, it's enough. Oh, we have a 13-year-old Chief Brody. And that dog is an old man who like wants his blue plate special starting at like 4 p.m. And he does the best like perk up the ears like puppy dog eyes. And he will just come stand and stare at us for like an hour. We have to make him wait. And uh, he's hungry all the time. And he was he was like 50 pounds overweight when we rescued him. So, you know, he's got some food issues from his previous life, but he'll have his regular dinner. And then around 7pm, he wants second dinner. And if he's having a really good day, 
he gets us when we're apart and I'll give him second dinner. And then like an hour later, my husband will give him what he thinks is second dinner and it's actually third dinner. That's like Chief Brody's best day. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, we have something similar happen in our house because it's our older dog, Stella. She's almost five and she could just eat all the time. And we've had her since she was a puppy. So I don't know where the eating issues come from. We have tried to keep her always on a you know strict morning and night, but she could just literally eat all the time. And sometimes we will not communicate that I fed them and then Michael will feed them. And so they will get two meals. And those are her like best days when she gets dinner twice. Totally. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, before we wrap up, what have you guys read recently that you really liked? I have a colleague, Daniel Simmons, who people who are online might know from like an old YouTube video where you're asked to count like how many times people pass a basketball between each other. And then there's a gorilla that like secretly walks through in the background. Uh, Sorry if I've spoiled that for anyone, but it's like a 15 year old video. Uh, But he's a psychologist at the University of Illinois and studies kind of attention and just, you know, really interesting, just general social and behavioral psychology. And he has a new book that came out this summer called Nobody's Fool, Why We Get Taken In and What We Can Do About It. And it's all about like schemes and scams and the psychology of like why we fall for them and and some tips on like how to not fall for them. So I talked to him for kind of one paragraph in the book there, but it's a really interesting look at the psychology of scams and how we can protect ourselves from it. So that's a great read to pick up. Okay, that is so funny that you mentioned that test because there's a new television show The Irrational, I think is the name of it on NBC that my husband and I've been watching. I think there's only like two or three episodes out so far. And it has to do with not necessarily fraud, but the way the mind works. And he's a behavioral psychologist. And he put that video on for somebody showing them that if you're paying attention to the basketball and where it's going, you won't notice this figure in the background. I'd never seen it before. It's kind of a classic and it's, you know, if people don't know about it, it's such a fun party trick to pull out for people. Because it's absolutely right. You can pay attention to one thing at a time. And, uh, you know, I like to think I'm really smart, but I totally miss the gorilla clearly walking through the scene the first time, too. So it's, if you Google like gorilla basketball, you'll find it and it's still up on YouTube and you can show it to people. And it's great. And so that that was his work. That's his video and his experiment. And so he does a lot of really interesting and I think accessible stuff, right? That makes a really complicated topic about like your cognitive ability to pay attention accessible to everyone in like a straightforward way that you don't even need to think about. And there are so many fraudulent schemes out there today that something like that sounds like it would be a very useful book. Yeah, I mean, it's Ponzi schemes and phishing and crypto rocksters. Uh, I talked to him about some people trying to prove fraud in the last election unsuccessfully, obviously. So yeah, it really covers the whole universe of modern scams that we're kind of confronted with and and how we think about them and and why they're kind of easy to fall for. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that one out. How about you, Stacey? Towards the end of uh, finishing The Purest Bond, the work that we did on it, I stumbled across a book called The Soul of All Living Creatures, What Animals Can Teach Us About Being Human. And it's by um, Vint Verga, who is a veterinarian. And it's about all kinds of animals, not just dogs, but cats and monkeys and lions and you name it. But he looks at the presence of different human qualities in these animals and tells these amazing stories from out in the field where he was doing research about integrity and forgiveness and mindfulness and so on. And It's really beautifully written and just quite enlightening. Oh, that sounds wonderful to you. 
I love reading about animals and what they can do for us, what we can do for them, and just the things that we share as well. Absolutely. I do too. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me about The Purest Bond, and I hope everyone else will check out the book. I think it is well worth the read. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.